0: Welcome to The Wealth Intersection with Megan Gorman. In this program, you'll hear fascinating stories from science, technology, finance, and the arts. Learn how dynamic individuals created their paths to success and the wealth intersections that occurred. It's where you might just find the answers on how you can pursue your passion while creating the necessary foundation to build personal wealth. And now, here is Megan Gorman.
1: Hi, I'm Megan Gorman, and welcome to the Wealth Intersection. When Americans think about how they spend their money, one of the biggest areas they like to focus on is travel. In fact, in 2018, the average American spent $2,037 on travel. But over the past few decades, travel and tourism has really changed for many Americans. It's no longer going on a trip to grandma's house or going on a cruise. But more and more Americans are embracing adventure in their travel. And when you think of travel and adventure, there's sort of one company that is the premier company that helps people travel the world, whether they're on bikes, whether they're hiking, or even when they're on the rafting. And that's Backroads. And Backroads is a company that began in Berkeley about 40 years ago by Tom Hale. And I have to tell you, I'm really excited to have Tom Hale on the show today. I've been on four backroads trips, and I find these trips and adventures that this company does as just an amazing adventure that's really well curated and really just creates a sense of joy in seeing the world and also seeing it with the people who are on the trips with you. And on that note, I'd like to welcome Tom Hale to the show.
2: Thanks, Megan. It's great to be here.
1: I'm so thrilled to be here with you. So, you know, I know what Backroads is, and anyone who goes on a Backroads trip knows what it is. But tell us, what is Backroads? Well,
2: Backroads is an active travel company. We do biking trips, hiking trips, multi-adventure trips. We've recently gotten into doing river and ocean uh, cruise trips that are also active. Everything we do is active. From sort of active to really active, and uh, we do them all over the world in about 65 countries. Uh, We uh, these are for adults and also for families, but there are uh, always adults with the uh, the family group. And um, yeah, been uh, doing it for a while.
1: So what's interesting is when you first hear about backroads, and I first got introduced to backroads as a bike trip. You think, well, okay, we're going to be on bikes and we're going from place to place, but A backroads trip is more unique than that because it really is very well curated. And I I always like to say to people when I'm telling them about backroads is you show up and there's a bunch of type A people waiting as a group. And within six hours, they get this group of people who are very intense to relax.
2: Right. And so I say we're an active travel company and we do biking and hiking and Mm -hmm. multi-adventure. Really, biking, your feet. Uh, Bike and hike trips, which is multi-adventure. Those are really vehicles for getting closer and deeper into a region. And so you're right. Um, Just finished a trip in India and it was just a cultural kaleidoscope. Um, It was both biking and hiking where – um, doing it that way really got us into uh, what India is all about and just a fascinating way to see the country. And all of our trips are like that wherever it is in the world. We really try to get behind the curtain and and see it in a really magical way. And I think that has a lot to do. The fact that we're being active with why people who come from all kinds of walks of life, but a lot of high powered people who are very busy, they seem to just get into the groove uh, with that first day. And maybe it's the fresh air, the um, getting a little bit out of your comfort zone, uh, just having a not having to think about a thing really contributes to, I think, uh, folks letting their hair down and just having a good time right from the get go.
1: Yeah, no, I I think that that is an important part, which is you let them stop thinking and just be. That's right. And that's a really hard thing to create and create it consistently and create it consistently for 40 years.
2: That is true. And, you know, it's funny because we don't really think about, well, how do we create an outcome where people just can let their hair down? Mm -hmm. That's been maybe – somewhat of an unintentional outgrowth of us being maniacally focused on running incredibly well-run trips mm-hmm. that do get you deep into the the place and that um, attract, I think, people who are are fun to begin with because not everybody is um, maybe as adventuresome as the folks that go on backwards trips.
1: Right, right. And I think for, for people listening, one of the things to understand about Backroads is you're always – even though you're being in adventure travel and you're on bikes or you're rafting or you're doing different things, you're very, um, I want to say, I don't want to re- use the word protected, but you always have someone there guiding you. And I think that this is important to understand in how you cultivate the trips.
2: That's right. We have a layer of support that is probably um, number one in the industry. We have at least a couple of vans out there, three leaders. Uh, if we're in a more exotic location like – India, we will have a ground crew. We had five people that were um, not our backroads leaders, but were actually the ground crew that are very instrumental to the su- success of the trip. So there's just a lot of uh, a lot of intentionality that's gone into how we do things. We have different routes for people so that they're doing as much as they want and not more, and um, a, a lot of ways to keep it um, within everybody's comfort zone, I guess.
1: Yeah. So, so give us like, sort of pick what, what's one of your favorite trips with backroads? I mean, you've been on like pretty much yeah. all of them. So,
2: well, I've been on seven in the last five months <laughs> and my wife and I, we always, we honestly, it's like the last trip we took. Mm-hmm. So India is my favorite trip. It's the last trip I took. We got back a, uh, about a week ago, still on a 13 and a half hour, uh, time zone jet lag right now, uh, but honestly it was it's not one of our most popular trips it's a big deal to go to mm-hmm. india we have virtually no first time guests it's all repeat travelers that go to india mm-hmm. but the the richness and the um, i mean it, it, the the what you see and what you sense mm-hmm. and what you're participating is like no other trip doing on a on a bike i'll have to admit when <laughs> i got there even i as a guest on the trip was apprehensive about how we were going to ride bikes in India when I saw the traffic. Right. And then we got on bikes and we started riding our bikes in India. And you know what? I would say to, there were 19 of us on that trip that everybody was able to get their <laughs> arms around it and, and really embrace it and have a great time. Were and, you
1: in traffic? in oh, India? Yeah. And it, oh yeah. And
2: traffic in India is crazy. Yeah. Um, so that, that's not like any other trip we do, Yeah. but it, um, you know, we were just right out there with women in their beautiful saris and the lovely children along the road. They all want, I mean, we're, we're pretty, um, much of a, uh, aberration to them right. coming through their little villages and whatnot. So as interesting as they are to us, we are interesting to them. And there's a lot of interaction as you're going right. along.
1: Right. So there's the 19 of you on bikes. Plus, there's the support van trailing that's right. behind, that's and right. yeah. and so you know you would get up. I'm assuming ride the bikes and then be in some amazing places and get to experience it.
2: That's right. So yes, that's a that's a nice thing about backroads is we do stay in very lovely places, and in a place like India, which is a little rougher around the edges during yeah. the day it's especially nice to go into some really uh resplendent old palace indian palace
1: so so i've got to ask cuz one of the things that i found interesting you know when you go on a backwards trip you're sort of like wow who came up with this this is so amazing and i think your story is pretty fascinating i mean you grew up in northern california that's in right. Moraga, and you were a runner not a biker
2: that's right i ran i was obsessed with running still love to run uh, I'm limping around today because I ran a half marathon trail race on Sunday. That oh, was God bless a little you. more than I needed, but um, yeah, I um, ran all through high school and half half of college, I'd say.
1: And in high some of your high school records still stand, right, Maraga? Uh, I,
2: apparently, oh. I've got a, a two mile record. Okay. Uh, yeah, but
1: that's not bad. Yeah. So then you went to University of Oregon, right? And what was it fascinating for me in looking at this is um, you were there when Prefontaine was there, right? And I had recently read Shoe Dog, which I know a lot of listeners have read, Right. and you were sort of there when all this sort of magic was going on, in a way. I mean, did it feel like a special period of time, or was this just normal to you?
2: Uh, no, it, it was a very special period of time, and it was really fun to be there then. Uh, we, you know, Bill Bowerman, the previous coach, the, the fellow who kind of got the program off the ground, we were, uh, he was no longer the coach, but he was making, uh, making, what Became Nike shoes on his waffle iron, and we were the guinea pigs. They, they <laughs> were, were they good? The shoes? They were terrible, actually. There was no support. It would cripple me today, I think. <laughs> um, but you know, they worked. And um, and being there where uh, Eugene was the center of middle distance running in America for sure, and uh, to be there then when and Prefontaine was quite a quite a character, and so sure. he uh, it was fun, just fun to be part of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and then what I found interesting in your story is you go and you do something that today I think is very on trend, which is you got into environmental engineering, right?
2: Envi- environmental planning. That's yeah. right. Got a master's degree in and that. And
1: you're, you're yeah. going down the path. You're starting to, you know, ha- build a career doing this. Right. And you woke up in the middle of the night.
2: Yeah. Yes. So went to college and graduate school for six years, and um, took my first job. And six months into that job. I was an environmental planner in Las Vegas, Nevada, kind of a crazy place to be an environmental planner, but there I was. And I literally woke up and I uh, had this um, idea that I wanted to take people. At that point, it was bike trips. I wanted to take people on bike trips. I had done a little bit of biking, but not that much. I was still running, and I, but not, not so competitively. And uh, I got up, took eight pages of notes on what it would take to start this thing. And as a breakfast, I'd made my mind up. Wow um, It was not a good idea it, there was <laughs> nothing about this that made financial sense. I promise you and uh it was um but as soon as I came up with the idea, I never for a second doubted that this is what I want to do with my life. I would say that there were times where I questioned whether it was a good idea right. from a can I make this work? And there were some scary times. Can I, as far as can I make this work? But it was, it has been, and it was such a labor of love, such a work of passion to grow this this uh, thing, this uh, that is Backroads. And I, I feel so fortunate to be doing what I'm doing, to work with the people I work with, to meet all the wonderful guests that I've met, and just everything about it is just so so perfect for me. Right. And I really, uh, I'm so energized trying to build it better and better and better for our guests. It's really just a total labor of love.
1: Yeah. But I mean, back in, this is 1979. So what was travel like in 1979? Because it's a little different than today.
2: That's right. So I went on a, after I left my job, I went on a 5,000 mile bike trip around the Western United States. And I, I thought I was going to start
1: yourself?
2: by myself. Yep. Um, not a lot of people doing that back, <laughs> way back then. Um, and, uh, I originally was thinking that when I started this, I would do it in a small geographic area like in Northern California. But I got back and I thought, wow, it'd be great to go back to all these amazing national parks Mm -hmm. that I rode my bike through. And so that's how I started it, um, sort of a decentralized um, thing. And we had trips all over the western U.S. for the first several years, quite a bit more rustic than it is now. We actually had more camping trips than hotel trips. Mm Uh, now we have almost no camping trips. They're just for, uh, families, mostly families with younger kids. Um, but, and now we stay in these amazing French chateaus and Italian villas (laughs) and whatnot. So it's changed a lot in that respect, but, um, but it's always been active. I think we've stayed, um, stayed very consistent from a guest focus perspective. Mm -hmm. We, uh, I've always prided ourselves in, Thinking about what is best for our guest, Mm -hmm. Uh, because sometimes what's best for our guest isn't necessarily exactly what I'd like for myself personally Mm -hmm. out on a trip. Yeah. But we have um, really responded, I think, to the uh, changing demographic and whatever it is. And and, you know, I probably have uh, changed along with it and it, it works pretty well.
1: So on the first trips, were you the only guide? I mean, how – because I mean, when you're on a backwards trip today, for people who have never been on one, there's usually three people That's right. running around making sure as a guest you are okay.
2: That's right. So um, I wasn't the only guide. I um, Right from the get-go, we had other leaders, mm-hmm. and uh, the first two leaders that went around the West on what we called the loop were um, high school friends of mine who were doing it for their honeymoon <laughs> – And to this day, I cannot believe that for their honeymoon, they led trips with me and one other person uh, because it was it was hard.
1: I can only imagine. Yeah. But then again, if you survive the honeymoon yeah. on a bike trip like that, you've I got a good so. chance at the marriage. There so, you go. So, and, it, you know, you were based in the United States for the first few years, right? right. And and you could have just mastered the U.S. market, right? right. Yeah. Um, but what I was surprised was that relatively early, you decided to go overseas. And I think, was, was it New Zealand that was your first? Um,
2: yeah, well, um Hawaii. We, we had Canada and the in the States for the first few mm-hmm. years. Then we uh we did go to we went uh did Baja in Mexico mm-hmm. and we went to New Zealand and also Hawaii. It's still US. Right. But we I mean, we basically uh we're a seasonal business, still are. Um and we were very seasonal then. We were run out of money seasonal then though. Mm-hmm. So it's like we better get some business that is a little more um you know, uh, counter seasonal, which is true with Hawaii and New Zealand. So we, that's how we started. But then quickly thereafter, then we went to Europe and we started adding trips in a lot of really interesting Mm -hmm. places. Yeah.
1: When did you realize, was it early on that you realized you had hit on something unique or at the beginning, did people look at you like, what are you doing?
2: In the very beginning, there were hotels that were not so sure that, a bunch of sweaty bicyclists were necessarily their cup of tea. Right. Um, we got over that pretty quickly and that was the exception. But um, now it's so commonplace to expect that the way we travel is uh, very much aligned with a lot of these really nice hotels. They realize that's what people like to do.
1: Yeah. And one of the things that I think is unique about the backroads experience is your your leaders. So when I first learned about backroads, I wish I had signed up to, to try to be a leader in my 20s because you do have to be young to do it. But it's a very unique process because you've come up with this philosophy on how to serve clients, how to take care of them on trips. But the process to become a guide is very unique.
2: It, it is, and we're very thorough. We've, we've gotten better and better at it. Um, leaders are absolutely our most important distinguishing characteristic. There's no question. Talk to 10 backwards guests who have been on 10 different trips, and they will typically say their leader made the trip. Their mm-hmm. leader has made the trip. And we, uh, we work really hard to make that happen. There's a thousand things that go into that. We are very thorough with our recruiting, our interviewing, our hiring event, Our training, our performance management, Mm -hmm. the the culture that we create that is not just for our leaders, but the company culture and so many little things that contribute to what becomes a really magical outcome. You know, you've got people we're we're running uh, maybe 150 trips a week in Mm -hmm. the peak of our season all over the world those leaders are in charge. There's Mm -hmm. nothing we can really do. We're not sitting there supervising what they do. They are so invested. They are so committed. They are so passionate about this. And what I really saw on these last seven trips that I did and all of the leaders that we encountered, there weren't two that were the same. So this is Mm -hmm. not a cookie cutter. This is how you do the job. We have a lot of guidance on how to do the job, but Every leader's personality comes out in a way that is uh, exemplifies who they are and it contributes to the entire group's, uh, I think, enjoyment and just how they Mm -hmm. get along.
1: And it's not like they can just apply and send a resume in. It's a very different process, if I understand it correctly. That's right.
2: So we uh, we do video interviewing, and uh, from the video interviewing and uh, looking at all kinds of background information, we invite people to a leader hiring event. We have probably, I don't know, 12 to 15 leader hiring events around the world, a lot of them in the Western U.S., but also in Europe, and we uh, those hiring events we might have I'm not sure exactly, maybe 50 or 60 folks. And then we choose from that. Um, and then from there we go on to train the folks that end up.
1: Now I've heard that in the process, there's things where they do problem solving puzzles or they work with Legos to build things. Is this, is this rumor true about how you guys pick your people?
2: Yeah, we used to, we used to actually, it was a longer event. Now we've gotten it down to where it's really just a a long day, but it's a pretty intense day. You know, they're doing public speaking and presenting why they're interested in back roads and all kinds of exercises there. Uh, during lunch, they got to eat. You know, we, we, um, so well, we, by the
1: way, it is called snack roads.
2: There you
1: go.
2: So, um, so during lunch, we're also um, language testing people and roaming mm-hmm. around just, you know, seeing how people interact. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, um, it's, it's amazing how it works out. And, and, you know, the guides, they travel all around the world uh, and they live together as well. when they're, when they're not guiding. That's correct? right. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So where did you get the idea for how to hire your guides? Cause I mean, this is sort of like Harvard business school type stuff, right? Like where did you read? Did you just get mentors? Did you just I come would, up with it?
2: Most of back is a work in progress. It still is. And it's trial and error. And it's really, there's not much of a, wasn't we kind of, we started it mm-hmm. as much as anybody did. And we certainly took it to higher levels than anybody did. And so I can't really attribute very much to any one thing, but um i will say that i have always carried a little notebook around mm-hmm. i'm always taking notes i'm always looking for ideas i probably get ideas about backroads that are as much um garnered from companies that have nothing to do with travel as i do from more of a direct competitor kind of observation
1: yeah, no it's 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 amazing how well run it is and how it emphasizes the creative as well as just organizational problem solving.
2: Right, right. That's true.
1: And tell me about the annual ride because that this is something that I've heard from the guides it's pretty special.
2: Yeah, we do a what we call a staff ride. Uh, it happens to be a bike trip, um, just because you know three or four hundred people out on a trail hiking might be a bit much. Mm-hmm. So uh, biking works better in that respect. And so we do one of these every fall towards the tail end of our um, busiest uh, season. And we uh, have, like I say, maybe at this point right around four hundred folks. We had four hundred and thirty in Puglia in southern Italy this year, and it is um, I would call it the. World's greatest team building company culture event that isn't represented as a team building company culture event. It is represented as we're going to get together and we're going to have a great time, and w- we proceed it with a lot of meetings on how to be better, et cetera. But really, it's once we get going, it's a it's a four day uh, extravaganza that is just so much fun.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a blast, because yeah, yeah. I, I think I've heard guys say you've been to Vietnam as well, right, and yep, yeah, yep. just all around the world. That's right. And they they are excited about riding with Tom.
2: Well, that, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about that. <laughs> they don't but. tell you that.
1: <laughs> so yeah. it's interesting, because I asked one of your former guests of Backroads, and probably a, a recurring guest, right? I was like, if you could ask Tom anything, what would you ask? And, and what this person said was, what fascinates me is that why did he pick the model he picked? Because... A lot of travel companies, they organize you in the United States and then you go over to wherever you're going whether it's Asia or Europe or Africa and you've been outsourced. Right. Why how did you make that decision? And I thought about the question. I think it is very important because it it, mm-hmm. it makes it very a distinct brand.
2: Yeah. Well, there's there's no way that somebody that subcontracts their trips can can be so focused and, and have such accountability as to what happens
1: Mm -hmm.
2: on their trips. And so we don't subcontract our trips. That is correct. Was there
1: ever a point where you went down the path of understanding that or was it always?
2: No, you know, like I say, we're a work in progress. I'd like to say that I'm really smart and prescient and I was able to like see the world or see the, the future, but no, it was, It was so clear. Uh, Almost more companies did it directly back then. Mm -hmm. You could kind of do it without having all the right permits and going through all of the things that you have to go through now. But it just was so clear that if we tried to do this uh, with a third party, well, it just would – we would lose it, the magic.
1: Yeah, Yeah, and so how do you, I mean, when you're looking at a new country, right, because I'm assuming there's probably a list at Backroads headquarters of countries you want to go into, how do you decide what countries to enter?
2: Well, we're looking for a place that is um, good for the activity, Mm -hmm. whether it be biking or hiking or a mixture. We're looking for the right accommodations. We're looking for um, – Uh, The scale, Mm -hmm. the distances have to be uh, more or less right. We want to be able to do the kind of travel we do and really get inside the country Mm. or the place, whatever it might be. And we uh, just – the difficulty of the trip needs to be that which we're – thinking is the right answer. Mm -hmm. There needs to be flexibility to a certain extent. So it's not just for one level. Um, Most, most couples that I know, for instance, Mm -hmm. um, you got maybe two people who are very different idea of how much they want to do. So we try to cater to that. We are really good at, accommodating mixed abilities, we call it. And so that's a, that's something that, that we
1: look at. So when you pick a new country, how long do you sort of test it out before you actually open it up to, a, to an actual trip?
2: It depends. A minimum of a year, probably two years, wow. could be a little bit longer than that. Um, there's the marketing cycle, that we have to allow for. Mm -hmm. There's the the sign-up cycle. Then before that, there's all of the research we do. So, you know, it could be three years out, but I'd say two years in general is more typical.
1: And are there ever times you get to the end of the two years and you're like, you know what, we just aren't going to be able to make this at a a level we want it to be?
2: We have canceled trips uh, at every point in time up until the trip, and we've also canceled trips after the trip has run that that doesn't happen very often or maybe between uh, it certainly has been promoted in the catalog. We have plenty of instances of where the trip was in the catalog and we we pulled it before if it gets signed up. Wow. And we like to uh, beat people uh, before they sign up.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would help. <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. No, I mean, what's interesting about the Backroads experience is when you go on the trips, everybody on the trip, has been on one before usually, right? Right. Like, you know, and I've been on trips where there was one couple I met, they've been on trips for 30 years. Um, You know, there are other just people that, you know, they go every couple of years, but it's usually a group of alumni, which is sort of one of the aspects of the brand.
2: That's right. I mean, we have a a pretty steady, what I call one-third, one-third, one-third of new repeat and um, new repeat, and what am I leaving out there? Um,
1: like clients?
2: Um, new repeat.
1: New repeat customers? Yeah, repeat no, it's, I'm talking
2: about guests. And I, I'm, <laughs> I'm leaving one, one, one of the one-thirds out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, no,
2: new repeat and referral. That's and I it. I knew there was that one. That was yeah, it, yes. Yeah. And, and that ebbs and flows. But in general, that's been, uh, I think, a healthy mix that kind of Continues, yeah.
1: Yeah. No, it's, I think it's a unique aspect of it. I think it's, it's one of the exciting parts of it is also Uh meeting people because when you get on the trip, everybody and you've got people there who are, who've been on the trip and then Mm -hmm. new, newbies. Right. It's exciting to watch the newbies experience it as it unfolds because you do know a little bit about what's coming. Uh But then as somebody who's been on the trip, you might not know what's coming because you do have very curated moments in the trip that are unexpected. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I've always been struck. We went and did the hiking in Provence and I always remember hiking alongside a vineyard and had been a two hour hike. And we came over this vineyard and there was this house that an artist and his wife had and they cooked us lunch. Oh, nice! And it was a very unique experience because it was not expected. Sure. Um, And I think that's part of the magic.
2: Yeah. We, we try to try to do that. And, and, you know, we uh, A lot unfolds on a trip somewhat organically. And okay. you know this is an interesting kind of uh, – it's group travel. You're mm-hmm. signing up, and there's going to be a group there. You can also do private trips with your own group. But it is the most flexible kind of group travel you could ever imagine, especially during the day. We had one couple who was Australian, mm-hmm. and they went to Tuscany with us. About fifteen times. Seriously?
1: Yeah. Wow! And so that Could that they was, give the trip. Then, right? So
2: that was a, a little odd. But what they also did is they would get up and they would get on their bike and they would. We would not see them until they showed up at the next hotel every single day. They wouldn't have. They would. That's how they like to do it, and uh, that's certainly atypical and kind of uh, interesting. Yeah. But uh, it just shows that you know you can. It's an. an incredibly independent way of traveling for group travel. What's and we the, pride ourselves what's that. What's
1: the trip that most people take again and again, or you find that people are most drawn to? Is it Europe?
2: Well, Italy? I think that there are a lot of people that tend to start in North America and then move to Europe and, and Latin America, et cetera. Okay.
1: So, and so are you finding that Americans are now expanding more and looking at countries in Asia and Africa?
2: Um, yes. Uh, I would say... Europe is really popular, I would say, as a continent, as a Mm -hmm. big area that our European – and we have probably 12 different regions in France and 12 in Italy or something like that, so we're in a lot of – both countries and regions in, in Europe uh, but we've we've really tried to get our winter offer stronger, so you know Chile, Chile is quite a bit stronger. Mm-hmm. The troubles in Santiago didn't help that so much recently, but uh, you know, we have Argentina trips uh, Thailand, Vietnam is very popular, and mm-hmm. so there are there is a lot going on there
1: yeah and I think it must be a challenging at times when there is political turmoil that happens when you have a trip planned and you've got 15 people showing up.
2: That's right. We have all kinds of interesting stories. And, you know, we, we were rolling out a trip in Sri Lanka and we decided not to after the troubles in Sri Lanka recently. So was there um, a lot of
1: interest in that trip? Because I've heard from people. Sri Lanka is amazing.
2: They're. We didn't get it – no, we did get it to the uh, – we didn't even hit the booking cycle, actually, when we pulled the plug on it. So it was probably good timing in that respect, uh, good timing for us to cancel the trip. Excellent.
1: Well, Tom, we're going to take a break here, and when we come back, we're going to start talking about generational travel and all the trends that we're seeing. Okay. So we'll be back after the break.
0: Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can
1: be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: It's time to take charge of your own career path. But how do you get started? First, tune in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. Each show will feature national business leaders, tips and insight from Marie and her guests, career management tools, and a weekly career smart tip. She'll help you move forward, earn that promotion, Get hired into the career you want and brand yourself. The Career Confidant is broadcast live every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to The Wealth Intersection with Megan Gorman. If you have a question or comment about the program, your money, or what it can do for you, please send an email to Megan at thewealthintersection.com. That's M-E-G-A-N at thewealthintersection.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to the Wealth Intersection. I'm Megan Gorman, and I'm here with Tom Hale, founder of Backroads. So. One of the questions I had for you, Tom, is we've been seeing a lot of trends with generations. So I think it was the AARP that came out and said the average boomer spends about $6,600 on, on a vacation, the average Xer, about $4,400, and the average uh, millennial, about twenty four dollars to $3,400, right? So what are you seeing in generational trends? Because you started this business with the boomers,
2: Right, and so the boomers are still the boomers, and um, <laughs> yet they haven't frozen in time. They ha- actually have gotten a little bit older, and so mm-hmm. we have developed, I think, all kinds of things that um, are very attractive to the older older uh, generation. Uh, that would be my generation, mm-hmm. and um, some of those things are the river and ocean is popular. Mm-hmm. It's not exclusive to – Older, but it is very popular. Um, our e-bikes—about 28% of our bike rentals are now our bike. Uh, oh, wow. So we provide our e-bikes, and that's very popular to for all the gamut of ages. But it, it does allow folks to extend their um, their their biking lifespan, really. And um, so we've done that. Uh, all kinds of things like that at the older end. We also have really expanded the family program mm-hmm. in a, what I think is an interesting way that gets at uh, millennials and, um, and and both sides of millennials, really, which is we are the only company I know of, travel or otherwise, that is really um, age-segmented family travel. And so what do you mean by that? By that, of- I mean we have, we have four segments that are all about family. Mm-hmm. Um, we have... Kids, That's the smallest one, and that's for ages 4 to 12, I think. All of these segments overlap a little bit because um, kids are usually a range of ages (laughs) with all families. Uh, Then we have uh, teens and younger siblings. That would be 9 to 19, let's say. And then we have older teens and 20s, which is more or less exactly what it says – Older teens might be 17, 18, 19 mm-hmm. in through college. And then the newest one that we're offering is what we're calling 20s and beyond. And that's, mo- that's mostly 20s. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are all, um, especially the older age segments are just so darned popular. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for it. Cause I've been on a lot of these trips and I see it, um, in, right in front of me where I'll be talking to a guest at a, the dinner table where they're looking around and they're looking at their older kids, maybe a 20-something, who is doing exactly what that kid wants to be doing with um, peer their peer group, yeah. but they're doing it with their parents. And so it's it's not – you know, we haven't gone out and tried to create an offer for, say, a 20-something that is the the price point and et cetera, et cetera, that they're looking for. But I promise you, these kids are loving going on these trips. And so I do think that we are introducing um, the younger generations to the type of travel we do, and that's a, a really good thing I'm really excited about. It. I'm just mostly excited about it, it just has such a great – incredibly rich outcome for i think the kids and the parents and the the reason being is you know when um and we've got kids in probably all three of the older age groups right mm-hmm. now when you see your kid going off even just one of your kids if you have multiple kids if you as you see your child going off to college it's like oh my <laughs> that's sure snuck up on me yeah. and it's not like you want to stop seeing um doing really wonderful things with them and so we make it incredibly easy to do that we make it so it's very popular for your kids and exactly what you want to be doing you can have as much together time Mm -hmm. or as little together time it's very flexible and um it just it's just great and and it it also doesn't end when your kid gets out of college and goes off and is working uh often things kind of go full circle yeah and when I say full circle, a lot of the baggage that families have when their kids are teenagers and parents are trying to figure out how to parent, it softens and it's just a lot even more fun to be together. Yeah. So I, I'm really proud of what we've done with family and what uh, how we've been able to create this um, something that's really getting at what everybody wants because – Kids and young adults want to be with their age group. And by the way, once that happens, adults often are also um, uh, relating to folks that are in a similar life stage. So So
1: when you started the business in 79, were a lot of the guests your age or were?
2: uh, I would say a lot of the guests were closer to my age. So I, I think I was 25 when I started and. Um, I, back then we had a, we, well, we had a singles and, and solos segment. We don't have that anymore, but those folks especially were younger. They were in their thirties, I'd say thirties and forties. Mm-hmm. And, um, we have, you know, we, our guests are now way, way more in their forties, fifties and sixties and seventies. Really. Uh, I'd say fifties and sixties is probably our, our peak age, age range.
1: So, I mean, I think what's impressive about the business is you've been able to evolve with your guests in the sense that as their lives have changed, the boomers tend to spend more That's on right. things. Now, we don't know what's going to happen with millennials and, and Zers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a Gen Xer. We're sort of in that tough part right now where we're, you know, in our 40s. We got yeah. kids. We got right. mortgages. Are you concerned that the, the generations behind the boomers won't want to travel in the same manner that boomers have?
2: Well I think it's something to be very attentive to because there is a there are a lot of um dimensions to travel now that are they're different than they used to be and I think that uh you know we try to have a range of offer so we 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 have a lot of the offer is driven by the price of the uh hotels you're staying at mm-hmm. so we have our premier uh, segment right. that is really nice, uh, uh, sometimes over the top, nice uh, hotels, and then we have casual, uh, and casual is um, might be more of a, na- a rust, more rustic national park lodge, for instance, yeah. and the price point is is less also. So that isn't probably getting at what millennials mm-hmm. want, mm-hmm. but it's getting at what the next level up wants,
1: which would be the Xers.
2: Right, and and what's interesting is. I don't think people realize how nicely many even millennials like to travel that have kind of hit it big.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and so
2: true. we get some of those folks that are <laughs> uh, are the exception to the norm demographically. And so it's important that we are able to accommodate what they're looking for also being around their peer group. And so a lot of them are choosing to do private trips with us which are really easy to to make it happen and they they're bringing along They're kind of ready to go, peer group.
1: What I think is unique is I first stumbled upon Backroads when I was single, and I was in my early 30s, and I was like, "Well, I like to travel. I'm adventurous, but I can only be alone for so long by myself before I'm ready to like climb up the wall." And what I liked about Backroads is the idea that I could be a single woman, Mm -hmm. right, and be traveling. And I, as I've been on the trips. I've met a lot of single people right. who have said, "You know what what I love about this is just because I don't have a partner, I'm not married or, you know, don't have kids, I'm not restricted in my travel." Right. Is that, that was a sort of, I'm assuming that's sort of an unintentional offshoot of the business, but it's been something you guys focus on at times.
2: It, absolutely. I mean, we, we have more women than men coming on our trips, I'd say just slightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe it's partly because of what you're talking about, where there is a, an interest in, um in just uh, security and um being around people and that makes it happen sort of seamlessly. And so um, we've always been good at that. And we're, we're probably, we're working harder at attracting singles onto the uh, the full range of trips, making the single rooms uh, price point uh, mm-hmm. lower, et cetera. Um, it used to be way back in the day, we had quite a few more singles that would be happy to share a room with another single. Mm-hmm. And so the challenge then was finding hotels with enough single uh, twin bedded rooms. Oh, <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> yeah. so, so there's a, a, a change yeah. that, that thing totally changed. Now, Everybody more or less wants their own room. Mm. And so, um, you know, keeping those rooms within a reasonable price point is is more important.
1: Yeah, and I think the price point's an interesting aspect of it because if you ask me who is sort of the demographic for Backroads, I would say it's a pretty highly educated group. Right. I would say probably more upper middle class. And I don't know if that's just the trips I've been on and maybe it just, what, what do you find?
2: I would say upper middle class on up. It tends to be. Yes.
1: Yeah, no. And I think it's, what I find is it's, it's people from very diverse backgrounds. So right. I've been on trips with astrophysicists to private equity guys to doctors, right. um, but they do seem to form a camaraderie on the trip. Any, do you see that on all the trips? I mean, have, have you ever seen one go awry or they've all sort of have that, like, joie de, you know, that, that joy of being together? I
2: mean, every trip is different. But in general, that is exactly what happens. I mean, as you as obvious as that is on a one of our adult trips, mm-hmm. I think it's even more amazing on a family trip, actually, mm-hmm. because, you know so many families traveling together is a stressful event (laughs) and uh, I've seen so many uh, families who show up and you can see that they've had a little stress and then all of a sudden mom and dad or whoever, whatever the adult in, uh, in is, is no longer in charge. Mm -hmm. We're in charge, relax and the kids have a great time and the parents have a great time and all of a sudden and the whole group, Immediately has fun together, and it's 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 a magical thing to see.
1: Yeah. So in my you know my other life, I, I work with wealthy families, and one of the things I've always wondered about with backroads is there's a lot of family dynamic work that's done with wealthy families now to to right. because of the the issues that you're bringing up right now. There's just. Families are all functional and dysfunctional in their own unique way. That's right. Do you ever have private trips where families are trying to work through dynamics, or do they keep that sort of more private and not, not tell the backwards people like that they're coming to bond or? Uh,
2: I, that's a. I'm not. I'm not sure that that's a, a commonplace thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, it doesn't ring a bell that's to me. I, there's all kinds of dynamics out there, but I don't think that. I don't think that, for instance, people are coming as part of a healing process okay. that I know of. They're
1: coming to be, yes, yeah. They're just they're, coming they're, to come and have fun. Yeah, and, exactly. Yes. <laughs> got it, got it. Right. So, you know, one of the things about evolving the business is you are going to places now that I don't think 40 years ago you might have even thought you'd end up. So you now are having trips into Africa. Right. And I think, that, is that the last continent that you guys have sort of embarked on?
2: Um. Yeah. You know, I mean, Africa is a special place in that, uh, the type of travel we do cannot be done everywhere in Africa. Okay. We're active. We're out there um, <laughs> amongst wild animals. Yes. And so there are a lot of places that wouldn't work for us in Africa, but right. we have, we have come up with some amazing itineraries, um, more recently that are, I think, uh, going to, going to really, uh, be popular. But, uh, we only have a few new trips in Africa. We also have just as many new trips in Asia and Latin America, et cetera. So.
1: And where are you seeing more of the private family trips occurring? Is it in Europe? Is it all over?
2: I would say it's all over. Uh, I would say the, o- the older Families with older kids tend to be going further afield. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also have more date flexibility. The 20s and beyond. Uh, yep. We are. This is our first year with 20s and beyond, and we're seeing the booking patterns. And they are. Uh, we offered a lot of trips that are further um, afield, and they can be in. They can be in May and September. It's not around the school vacation mm-hmm. anymore, so um, a little more flexibility.
1: So I have an odd question for you, but I was on the timeline on your website on Backroads, and I would tell anyone to go on there and look because it's. It's amazing to watch you expand year after year. And as a company, you actually talk about the 09 crisis on your timeline. How was that time period for Backroads? Um,
2: I had some sleepless nights. It was really hard. It was also the best thing that ever happened to Backroads. Really? And um, the reason it was the best thing that ever happened to Backroads was that it forced us to look more critically at how are we doing things and – how good are we and how do we communicate how good we are and what are our profit margins? And, um, there's going to be another Oh nine something. Mm-hmm. It, it may not be a re- It could be a big recession, but it, there's all kinds of events that happen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and when we look closely at what we were doing and when we recognize that, you know, we're sort of in the mm-hmm. grocery store margin, uh, realm here okay. as in our margins, we're not oh, wow. very high. Um, we need to improve that so that we can roll through uh, blips. So we actually rolled through that rather large blip very well, but it was a lot of work, but a lot of that work, a lot of
1: work like financially, um, like running the books or making choices on the ground,
2: a lot of um, operational change things Mm -hmm. to be more efficient. And also um, a lot of pre uh, thinking further out about what we're doing and how we're doing it. And how can we be better? Mainly, how can we be better? Mm -hmm. And so, we we changed our our demand curve um, from then on and it got a lot, a lot steeper. We mm-hmm. had a the demand went up.
1: The demand from clients from, from wanting clients to, come on to trips. go on our
2: trips because we we I think um, we we basically created a value proposition with Backroads that couldn't be competed with. And we did this in area after area after area. And the value proposition is things like. Two vans and three liters versus one van and two liters and support and, um, the quality of our bikes and not only the quality of our bikes, but that we started having much more choice in the types of bikes and just all, we, we really went through everything and re-engineered a lot
1: of things. So, so as an entrepreneur, I mean, you, when you read your bio and you go on the backwards site, you talk about starting out in a garage, right? Did you ever expect to be where it is today? And, and maybe you did. I don't know. It's-
2: no, no. I, You know, I had no business background. I hadn't done that much biking and uh, I hadn't even done that much travel. I had been to Europe, you know, one of those three months things. But um, I didn't know what I was getting into. But I my personality type, I mm-hmm. think, is such that figuring it out mm-hmm. iteratively, quickly and looking for better ways to do things. It was just a good match. And, um, you know, I definitely did not, though, look 40 years out or 20 years out and say this is where we're going to be. Right. And, and I still tend to be, okay, what matters is that we get better and better. And as good as we get and as better the, that we get, there's m- more and more opportunity to be better. I don't I don't know what it is about that but right now when we've done so much to to be better mm-hmm. There's so much I can see that can still be so much better. And I, I think we built an organization where people think like that. And they're, it's, it's tough to be in an organization that is changing so much right. all the time. But we, and we really are that kind of an organization. And, you know, people make, uh, laugh at uh, – they joke with – it's like drinking you know, water out of a fire hose. But, <laughs> um, but, you know, it's good for our guests and it's, and it's good for the company.
1: I think that one of the challenges is when, when you are a successful entrepreneur, people think it's always been easy. Right. And I was actually talking to someone today who, who, you know, successful entrepreneurs sold their business. And I sort of said, well, how did you live during the the beginning? Yeah. And they're like, oh, it was lean. It was lean. So tell me, how did you I mean, how do you start a business and make and and survive? And you've married and have three kids and, you know, you've had to make some tough choices in that sense.
2: Right. Well, it's it's. Um, it's never been easy. It's mm-hmm. still not easy. This is not an easy business to run. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's, um, it, if it's, if you don't love this kind of a business, then it's the wrong thing to be in and you're not oh. going to be very good when at it. When
1: you say it. this kind of business, you mean a travel business, the, adventure a, business, um, a leadership business,
2: all of the above that they're just so much To be really great to compete with us, Uh you got to be all in on all of those dimensions, and you also need to have a good business head on your shoulders. Even though I have no business background, I think I have a pretty good uh, business sense. Okay, (laughs) okay. You know, we've got immigrations and customs and tax and uh, foreign exchange and all these things that I never imagined were anything I'd have to be dealing with, and you know, they're everywhere. You know, huge logistics. We are a service, as service oriented as just about any type of business you could imagine yeah. our service provider if you wanted to call them that the leaders are living with the guests for five nights you know so if that's not intent service i don't know what is
1: right. and then they live in this the, the guide houses the leader
2: houses in between right and
1: yeah. it's amazing when you talk to the guides about how you actually store the bikes around europe and different right, countries right. and no it is a complex business um You have kids. Do you want them to be in your business? I mean, is this like a family business or is this you want them to to go off and find their own passion?
2: Both. Uh, I uh, I definitely want them to go off and find their own passions. My oldest is 25 and she's got her life in D.C. and she's doing so great and doing tech sales and um, love to see her doing exactly that. I also would love to see my kids um, someday be um, come involved in, in backroads. They've they've all dabbled in you know um, maybe bike mechanics or helping out <laughs> in the office or something like that. Yeah. But um, you know it's up to yeah it's that's a often a long shot usually a long shot. Yeah. They have to be able to cut the mustard if they were to do that. As it's not necessarily the, like I say easiest business to be part of.
1: Yeah. No. And I think it's, it's sometimes I think challenging being the child of the the founder, right? you know, and it's, I've heard different approaches where some families have their kids work in other businesses that they don't own and other people own to learn how to really function in a business atmosphere.
2: Yeah. I, I almost look at a family business transition thing is more challenging than just doing the business because there's so many
1: pitfalls. There really is a lot of pitfalls. And I think, you know, some families have been very successful with it and, and some have a lot of challenges in doing it because it's human nature at the end of the day. Right. Right. So in our last few minutes, you know, as you've been growing a business, you know, 40 years, you know, what has been the biggest takeaway from this? Like what's been the proudest moment? The thing that you think about the most when you think of the, the, the blessings of Black
2: Well, I, I feel so grateful that I'm able to be in this business, to be doing something that I so dearly love. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I don't have any interest in any kind of um, business ownership change, private equity, whatever it might be. I, uh, I do want to get this business as stable as it can possibly be mm-hmm. and um, have my role to be appropriate. Mm-hmm. But I, uh, I just love the fact that I'm able to be doing something that I'm so passionate about. Um. yeah, I, I'm not sure what else yeah, I would say. Yeah, no, there.
1: I mean, I think that that's, I mean, that's probably, I think one of the more exciting things about it. You've built, this is like a child of yours. Right, it right? is, yeah. And, you know, I think it's, how do you keep it growing? And I think the other thing is, when you think about it, people are living into their hundreds now, right? right. So you might do this for another 30, 40 years. Uh,
2: we we'll, we, we'll we might have rides
1: we'll, with you still.
2: We'll see. You know, yeah. I mean, right now I'm able to keep up with the front of the pack. So.
1: <laughs> that's good, that's good. So what's next for Backroads? Anything we should be looking out for? Any new places? Any new ideas?
2: You know, I, I think that more than new places, it will be different ways of doing what we do actively. Uh, and I don't mean different activities, but just it is... Being better at what we do—that's that's really what I'm trying to get us organizationally focused on. It's always what we've done, but I'm more intentional about that.
1: Okay, no, I could definitely see that. So, if somebody wants to find out more about Backroads, how does how do they get to learn about these trips? Because there's booklets, there's phone numbers, but give give us sort of the how do you reach out to Backroads?
2: Yeah, you um, were uh, Backroads.com, one eight hundred Go Active, mm-hmm. and. Um, You know, we love to talk about travel, so give us a call or get on the, on the, we have a really thorough website Mm -hmm. that uh, tells you all about it.
1: Okay. And then when people call the number, are the people on the calls, they tend to know the trips pretty well.
2: They know the trips really well. There'll be a lot of ex-leaders. And if the ex-leaders aren't on the call, they're all over the, we have about 170 people in our offices in Berkeley who have many of them are (laughs) ex-leaders. So a lot of intellectual capital that is uh, all about travel.
1: Excellent. Excellent. And where should people, if, if you had to pick one trip for people to go on, what would you pick?
2: If you've never done a trip with back roads, Dolomites hiking, maybe Ooh. or Champagne Alsace biking. Ooh, okay, uh, these are more recent ones we've done that, that were just so amazing. Uh, did a family Peru multi-adventure trip that was just just so impressive. Uh, there's it's really hard. To pick one out because they're so different. <laughs>
1: right, yeah. right. Well, Tom, I want to thank you for joining us. This has been amazing to learn more about Backroads. Um, if anyone is interested in Backroads, as Tom said, you go to www.backroads.com. They have great catalogs that can explain the trips and great people to explain it. And thank you so much for joining
2: thank, us. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks, Megan.
1: Thanks.
0: Thanks so much for tuning in to The Wealth Intersection. Megan Gorman will be back with another program next Monday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope you'll join us then.